0: Welcome to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. Reformation Fellowship provides support and fellowship for all who would stand for the Reformation of Christ Church worldwide. We long to see the church revitalized by the gospel and seek to encourage all who share that vision. We gather together a gospel-hearted fellowship around gospel-minded theology. On this episode of the Reformation Fellowship podcast, we are starting a two part conversation with Dr. Donald Fairbairn. Dr. Fairbairn is the Robert E. Cooley Professor of Early Christianity at Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary and has also recently been uh, appointed as Professor of Historical and Systematic Theology at Union School of Theology, as well as the Dean of Newton House. And I'm really excited for this two part conversation because if you don't know Don, you need to know Don. he is uh, quickly becoming such an important part of of our fellowship here at the Reformation Fellowship and uh, excited to introduce you to him excited over these next two conversations to hear a bit of his story as well as to dig in on some um, some thoughts about the Trinity so, Without further ado, let's jump into this part one with Donald Fairbairn. Don, thank you so much for joining us here on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast.
1: Thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here with you,
0: Justin. Yes, I'm so excited about our conversation. And um, maybe the place we we can start is just to tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself.
1: Okay, thank you. I am uh, from a number of different states of the United States. I've lived in eight states and in four countries of Europe as well. And Mm. so I've spent a lot of time in various different parts of America and all over Europe as well. Mm. I I grew up in a church going family. I was very active in church in, in my youth group, but never really had a clear understanding of the gospel growing up and was first confronted really with the claims of Christ through an evangelical ministry called the Princeton Evangelical Fellowship during my freshman year in college which was the fall of 1981 mm. and it was through that ministry in the spring of 1982 that i got much more serious about the christian faith that i i had my evangelical conversion mm. if you want to use wesley's type of language to describe it and it was through that christian group that I grew as a a young Christian, learned to to walk with the Lord, learned learned to be faithful to the Lord. And it was while I was in college that I decided to go into the ministry rather than going to medical school, which is what I had planned as I entered college.
0: All right. Wonderful. Praise God for campus ministries, right? I'm a a benefit, one who's benefited similarly and um, just so grateful for um, for those that are on the campuses, sharing the gospel. Um, now you're in Kentucky. Tell us a little bit about um, why you're there, and and then just what you're doing. I, I, we we were uh, talking before recording. You 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 wear a few hats here, so uh, why don't you tell our our listeners kind of where you're at and what you're doing?
1: Okay. For the last 13 years, I have been and am based at the Charlotte, North Carolina campus of Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Gordon-Conwell has four campuses, two in Massachusetts and one in North Carolina and one in Florida. And I still am technically based at the Charlotte campus. But as it turned out, uh, both of our children, we have a son whose name is Trey and a daughter whose name is Ella. And Mm -hmm. both of them love the Lord and are seeking God's will for their lives. And both of them found their perfect colleges in Kentucky, only Mm -hmm. about 30 minutes away from each other. So we decided to move as a family to Kentucky and to keep the family together during the years that they were at university as they were in college. Our son is an organist and a German major and is preparing to be a church organist and missionary in Germany, mm. and our daughter is an equestrian and create, creative writing major, and she wants to work in the dressage world, the equestrian world, if possible.
0: Mm. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thanks for sharing just a little bit about, um, about that side of life. You mentioned a moment ago, you came to faith during your undergrad, and you started to move Pretty quickly there then towards ministry. Tell us a little bit about your own theological studies or preparation for ministry.
1: Okay. As I mentioned, I decided while I was at university in my junior year, my third year at university, uh, to head toward ministry and therefore toward seminary studies rather than going to medical school. And I spent a year studying classical Greek between university and seminary in order to get ready and then I entered seminary and one of the striking things that happened to me while I was in seminary was that I studied under a wonderful professor who had himself studied under James Torrance part of the great theological family one of Scotland's greatest Mm. and the world's greatest theological Mm. families and this professor introduced me to a way of understanding Christian salvation that has stuck with me ever since and that I've been building on and elaborating on ever since. And that is that he encouraged me to think about salvation as a sharing in the son's relationship to the father. So Mm -hmm. to go behind justification and right status with God, and even fellowship with Christ, but to Mm -hmm. understand what undergirds that, what lies behind that, and that is the eternal relationship between the father and the son. And I had never really heard it described that way, but it really clicked to me. It really resonated with me as he described it that way. And I began thinking about that and, and reading scripture in light of that idea and developing that idea. And in a sense, the rest of my Academic ministry has been a way of looking at and elaborating on the implications of that way of understanding life and the salvation and Christian life.
0: Mm. Yeah, and was that um, was that Denver Seminary? No, I actually
1: I graduated from Denver Seminary in 1989. But before that, I studied for two years at Erskine Theological Seminary. Uh, One of the things that happened while I was in seminary was that my parents moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. And so while I was in seminary, I transferred to Denver, ironically, Mm -hmm. in order to get to make it easier to get a church out West close to home after I graduated. Mm -hmm. And in one of the great ironies of my life that I can talk about a little bit later, after I graduated, God sent me 7,000 miles the opposite direction to be a missionary Mm -hmm. in the Soviet Union. And Mm -hmm. I've never been a pastor. So that's one of the, the ironies of my life, that it was actually at Erskine Seminary in South Carolina before I got to Denver Seminary that I began to think about salvation in these ways When as I learned from this particular professor.
0: Yeah. Now, I know that w- another influence um, theologically uh, for you in, in heading this way was what you you learned on the mission field, what you learned as you went to Eastern Europe or Eurasia, um, tell us a little bit about what what took you there, um, and what was what was ministry like in that context for you.
1: Okay, thank you for the opportunity to talk about this as well. I graduated from seminary in 1989, and as I just mentioned, I was hoping to be a youth pastor or associate pastor or something like that out in the western part of the united states near where my parents lived at that time because they had moved to the west coast and no churches were interested in me i wasn't able to get i think i got one interview of the various different churches that i applied for positions at and In July of 1989, about a month after I graduated from seminary, I met with an old friend who was the Eastern European director of Campus Crusade for Christ. He was the father of one of my undergraduate roommates. And he challenged me by saying, Don, if you want to know the will of God, you need to consider two things, need and opportunity. And there is nowhere else in the world right now with Mm. such a combination of great need and great opportunity Mm. as the Soviet Union. Now, you have to keep in mind, this was in the summer of 1989. This was about six months before the Berlin Wall fell.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And as I thought about it, prayed about it, it was was simply too good of an opportunity not to take.
0: Mm. And
1: I didn't have a job anyway. So, I agreed to go to the Soviet Union for a year. And so, I arrived in Belize, the capital of Soviet Georgia, in January 1990, to do university ministry, ministry with students at the university and at the Foreign Language Institute in Belize, Georgia. And that year in Georgia, The Lord used to reshape the direction of my ministry because at the time I was headed toward a New Testament PhD. So Mm -hmm. I was thinking I'm going to be missionary or a pastor for a few years, and then I'm going to go to grad school and it's going to be in New Testament. Mm. As I went to Soviet, Georgia, I thought I was going to an atheistic country. And in fact, I'd never met a single atheist the entire year that I was in Soviet, Georgia. The Mm -hmm. typical thing that people said to me was, why are you, an American, coming to tell us about Jesus? You've been Christian for 400 years. We've been Christian for 1600 years. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that Georgia had an ancient Christian inheritance. And yet, during that year that I was in Georgia, there was one day when we actually visited some church ruins from the early fourth century,
0: yeah,
1: from before the Council of Nicaea. I've stood mm-hmm. in church ruins in Georgia mm-hmm. that predate the Council of Nicaea. And yet I had no idea that there was Christianity in that region, anything remotely that mm-hmm. early. I, I, I'm sure I had a vague idea that in the 10th century, Christianity came to Russia. It was actually Ukraine, not Russia per se. But I had no idea that Christianity was in Georgia so much earlier. And I came into contact in that year with Eastern Christianity. And was forced to reckon with and to wrestle with the reality that there was this other Christian tradition that was serious. That took the Bible very seriously, but talked about the Bible in different ways than what Mm -hmm. I was used to as a Western Christian. And yet in ways that I couldn't simply write up and say, no, that's obviously wrong, that's obviously unbiblical, I don't need to pay any attention to it. So that year in Soviet Georgia led me to begin thinking more about where I was going to go to grad school and what I was going to study in grad Mm -hmm. school. I wound up teaching at a Bible college in Ukraine for four years after that, continued to have involvement with Eastern Christianity, both Eastern Orthodoxy and Eastern Protestantism. And so by the time I arrived in Cambridge in 1996 to do my PhD, I was doing a PhD in Patristics Mm -hmm. rather than in New Testament. And Patristics Mm -hmm. is the theology of the church fathers in the first several centuries, after the New Testament, right. I was doing that patristics PhD to try to help myself understand better where the differences between modern Eastern and Western theology had come mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to do as a result of what I had seen so far in yeah. Eastern Europe. Yeah. What I discovered in the process of doing that PhD, though, was a major connection to the idea that had been put in my head in seminary, the idea of salvation is sharing in the son's relationship to the father. And I wound up writing my my PhD dissertation on the way that idea of salvation affects the way you actually talk about the person of Christ. So it was about Mm -hmm. the relation between grace and Christology or salvation and Christology in the 5th century church. So from From 1990, when I showed up in Soviet Georgia, until 1999, when I graduated from Cambridge with my PhD, the Lord sent me on a very particular journey, a pilgrimage that has
0: Mm. shaped
1: in dramatic ways everything that I teach and everything that I do in in my ministry today.
0: Yeah. That's wonderful. So uh, I I think many of us wouldn't be surprised if you would have said in in Georgia, I encountered um, cultural Christians or nominal Christians or all sorts of so-called Christians who really the faith wasn't a part of their daily life, but um, to, to then also here, but there's a, tra- a tradition there. There is a, an inheritance from the early church of faithful Eastern reflection on, uh, on the scriptures, on the person of Christ, on the gospel that, uh, that for you has been uh, personally enriching, but also professionally directing the, the Lord's sovereign hand, moving you, you towards that. No, that's, yes, that's, it,
1: that's, it is that's, certainly that. also true that I saw a lot of merely cultural Christianity <laughs> while I was there. I did see a lot of that too, but there yeah. was there was something else, and there was something more yeah. that I could write up, and that has turned out to be very important in my own thinking and study.
0: Yeah, and one of the one of the places where you share that uh, through your writing, through your research and writing, is your book uh, Life in the Trinity. I know in the in the preface you mentioned yes justification by faith we hold to that that is that's precious to us but you remind us that we're justified for something well that that legal accomplishment God God did that so He could give us something else in fact that's the phrase you use something else um, and you you define that something else as uh well you you introduce us to that word theosis that uh, that that we are sharing the son's the son's relationship with the father talk us talk talk to us a little bit more about um you beginning to to understand that yourself um the difference under that that understanding of salvation has made f- f- in your life as well as in your ministry and those that you are ministering to what kind of Um, What kind of impact has seen that fuller understanding of salvation made?
1: Okay, very good. Thank you. If I could go back to the beginning of my time in graduate school in Mm. 1996, 1997, during my first year in Cambridge, as I began to study the Church Fathers and to see the connections with the idea that I had first heard in seminary about salvation is sharing in the son's relationship to the father. I had two major reactions. One was, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. And this is connecting all the various different dots of my life, drawing lines between all of these in ways that make sense. Mm -hmm. But the other reaction was, why is it that the scholars know this? and just talk to each other about it Mm. and don't tell the church.
0: Mm -hmm. And so it was in those
1: early months in my first year of graduate school that I said, I'm going to write a popular level book or or relatively popular level book maybe that talks about all this, that tries to pull all of this together. And so that was the, the dream, the idea that eventually was fulfilled as my book life in the trinity that was published some 13 years later in 2009 and so how does how does all of this fit together one starting point for understanding this is what i've already described in my own experience i saw that there was something that the eastern understanding of christianity was onto that i hadn't heard in my western protestantism But another starting point in my thinking, and I talk about this in the introduction to the book Life in the Trinity, is that there's this odd dichotomy in evangelical Protestantism between a very, very legal understanding of salvation, what we call a juridical understanding of salvation, Mm -hmm. which is focused on justification on guilt and innocence in all of those legal categories there's a tension between that and our spirituality in evangelicalism which is very warm very relational very focused on personal relationship with christ Mm -hmm. i had long thought that these sort of sit side by side in our thinking a little bit uneasily and we don't really probe how they fit together. And so what I'm trying to do in life in the Trinity is to speak to evangelical Protestants who can probably sense that tension because we're all about justification by grace through faith. And we're mm. all about personal relationship with Christ. But we may or may not think about how you how you fit those together. Yeah. And so in the book. Um, drawing on the whole bible but with a way of reading the bible that i've learned from a certain strand of thought in the greek church fathers i argue that justification forgiveness of sins that is a result of something even more fundamental and what is even more fundamental is. Union with Christ, mm. understood in a particular way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: understood in a relational way, in a personal way, not just union in terms of growing in some of the qualities that God ha- has, although that's also true, that's also part of it. But union with Christ, understood relationally, the adopted sons and daughters share in the relationship that the one and only natural son. Mm has had with his father from all eternity Mm. and it is the holy spirit who indwells us thus uniting us to christ in that relational way and enabling us Mm. to share in the relationship that characterizes the trinity which the bible describes to us in terms of the father-son relationship Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so that's the idea that i wanted to get across in order to help Evangelical Protestants to Mm. connect our understanding of justification and salvation with our understanding of spirituality and Christian life. And I think it dramatically deepens our Christian life, our worship, our practice of Christian life when we recognize this is not just a relationship with Christ. This is the privilege of sharing in the very relationship Mm. that the Son has had with his Father from all eternity. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, "So I have loved you, so remain in my love." John fifteen nine and ten. It doesn't say, "The Father has loved me, and so I love you, and so you should also love me." That's true. and he and John actually says that in first John, but Jesus is saying more than that in John mm-hmm. chapter fifteen. and that's the the idea that I'm trying to get across in that book, which I think can be a great encouragement and provide a great deepening of our Christian lives, our spiritual lives.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it, it brings to mind Galatians 4, for me, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law. So there's a legal thing going on here to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons the legal is true but it's so that he's he's done this so that we might we might be adopted as sons it's, yes
1: yes and this is and that passage is in the midst of the classic justification by faith book of the bible
0: right, and, right. And
1: it's right there in the middle of it. yes
0: yeah. there you go yeah or or maybe um maybe a to think about that popular demonst- or way of sharing the gospel we we sometimes hear you're in the courtroom, you're guilty, you stand before the judge, you're absolutely guilty. you deserve all the punishment you deserve, but he says, no, I'm gonna my my son's gonna pay the legal penalty for you um, it, it seems like one of the things we need to add to that is, and by the way, when he does, you're coming home with us. <laughs> you, yes. yes. <laughs> so the legal is taken care of, but you're also now brought in to right. your family. And in fact,
1: that, that very illustration. Um, I was once in Georgia with a group of Georgian university students mm. listening to an American visitor present the gospel. Mm -hmm. And he used that very illustration, went into great detail about it, drew it out dramatically, tears in his eyes as he talked about it. And it did not connect whatsoever with the Georgians Uh because they they didn't think about the Christian faith in legal ways. Now, that means they are missing something that's important. But the ways that I learned to connect the Christian faith with them are also things that are important and they're things that we're missing or may be missing as
0: well thank you so much for joining us here on the reformation fellowship podcast we pray that this time together has been a blessing to you the reformation fellowship is a ministry of union and so all that we do we hope it helps you to delight in god grow in christ serve the church and bless the world if that is your hope that is your desire then friends welcome to the fellowship